0: become so old
1: is Left of the Dial. I am your host, Kitsy, and with me, as always, is my co-host, the unconstitutional Caleb Coy. <laughs> I've, I've been struck down in most courts. That's accurate, yes.
0: <laughs>
1: Caleb, how are you?
2: Um, uh, there's a, a joke in there about uh, my constitution, but uh i'm not sure it's fully formed yet um or i could i could take it in a D. has to say uh, something about
1: a constitution saving throw
2: yeah <laughs> i've got to make a saving throw uh, which fuck where's my dice
1: <laughs> this country needs a constitution saving throw at this point jesus christ oh fuck you're right which who knows what's going to be going on by the time this comes out but right now holy shit
2: Oh, I can just Google search uh, roll one d twenty. I just rolled a sixteen. Does that uh, does that hit? Yeah, does that, that hits.
1: You saved. Excellent.
2: <laughs> you take no Although damage. They, they, Google now has a dice roll uh, built in. <laughs> uh,
1: That's fantastic. Um, I
2: I stumbled across a Twitter account one time that was from someone who uh, like put a lot of their like heart and passion into designing like a really good like, fair and accurate dice roll app, and I was like, fuck, like, that is, like, a, like a genuine passion project from someone who is, like, like I scrolled through their, their Twitter feed a little bit more, like, they're legit just, like, into dice, just straight up, like, that's their jam. I'm like, fuck, that's cool.
1: Anyway, we're not here to talk about math or dodecahedrons or Dungeons and Dragons or the Constitution. We are here to talk about Japan. <laughs> That's right. this is now a podcast about Japan.
2: <laughs> oh man, I wish oh, like, I've been, and I want to go back, and I, I wish I had enough life experience to draw on to actually have like a good, like, multi-episode conversation about Japan. However, what I can talk to you about is what it's like to be big in Japan. That's right. We're talking about Destroy the New Rock by the band Big in Japan.
1: <laughs> all right. And what song did we just hear coming in, Caleb?
2: So I, I decided to go all in uh, on the, uh, the lead-in for this, uh, this episode with the track Hell Before Reno. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about why this is a uh, standout track to me. But uh, first, I have to reveal uh, my shame. Uh, this song starts with a sample uh, and it 's a, a dialogue from a movie, uh, and what i didn 't realize, because, uh, again, to my shame and horror, i 've never actually sat and watched the Shawshank Redemption all the way through. This quote is actually from the Shawshank Redemption.
1: Uh,
2: to be fair, And y-
1: to be fair, you only watch terrible movies.
2: That's true. I do spend most of my time watching the worst possible movies. But like every now and then, I've got to come up for air and like palate cleanse with something good. Uh, so I think I owe it to myself to watch Shawshank sometime soon. Uh, but it begins with a, a quote with Andy talking to the DA. And he says, you know, it was, they're, they're talking about uh, um, yeah, Andy's wife. He said it was very bitter. She said she was glad that I knew, and she hated all the sneaking around. She said she wanted a divorce in Reno. I told her I would not grant one. And the day of response, I'll see you in hell before I see you in Reno. Those were the words you used. And so like that's how this song starts with that quote. Like, you know, I told her I wouldn't grant one. I'll see you in hell before I see you in Reno. And then it just like drops right into this track. Now, uh, again, much like the uh, the Giants chair record last week, this is one where they're like, it's it's not really easy to find lyrics for but this one is readily available. Uh, and like, these are very relatable lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when did I become so old? <laughs> I can't remember anything. Uh, sometimes I forget to leave. It can be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then also like, wait, I'm sorry. I I'm was born bored, so with my just talking about your life. I can't tell. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can't tell. Um, Uh, The the line, I was born with my heart on the outside of my chest, like, ah, damn, like, I feel that. But so here's the thing. Uh, Obviously, like, you know, we talked about this. This song is called Hell Before Reno. And there's the line, I'll see you in hell before Reno. Uh, But my absolute favorite part of this song uh, is the line, I live so close to hell. If I look, I can see the sparks. Now in this version of the lyrics sparks isn't capitalized because i don't know that the uh, person who transcribed this knows but sparks is the next town over from reno
1: oh and shit reno
2: is kind, Reno's kind of like hell if you've ever been
1: there i have and it is yes <laughs>
2: <coughs> that's right you passed through reno on the way to california didn't you
1: yes that that time <laughs> that i took a truck full of all of your stuff and your wife Away from just you. drove off
2: with my wife, my dog, and all my stuff. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> uh, and to this day, now, I'm disappointed in you for not writing a country album.
2: I spent the majority of that, like, two weeks that I was left behind just uh, drunk on the cot that I had left uh, like, I had this big old loft apartment uh, And the only furniture I had left Was a like cheap fold-out cot That we bought uh, for me to sleep on Because you took the bed And someone else took the couch
1: Again, I'm very <laughs> disappointed You didn't write a country album in that two weeks Sitting on your cot Drunk You also, you also took my guitar uh, that's That <laughs> yeah, it was my fault
2: <laughs> So I may have backed myself into a corner with this uh pick. Um this is another like like dig deep into into the archives for me. This was another that like I I pulled out because I remembered loving years ago and I'm like, I hope I still do. Uh surprise, I do. I fucking love this record. But this is not a particularly like intellectual choice. Uh, this really is just, uh, a good, like simple, like mostly like mid-tempo to fast, like pop punk record. Uh, and there's not a lot of like really deep things that I'm going to say about it, but I just fucking love this, uh, this record. This, this one gets me in a mood. Uh, and it takes me back to like, I don't remember which one of us, discovered it first, um, but it was uh, myself and uh, my good buddy from high school, Josh. Not to be confused with my brother, Josh. I know a lot of Josh's, it's weird. Um, he and I both, like like, one of us discovered the record and like got the other hooked on it and like way back in the early days of the internet with uh, AOL Instant Messenger, we would just like message each other lyrics to this. And like every now and then I'll still get a text from him saying, I'll see you in hell before I see you in Reno. <laughs> 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 just, I love that. Um the sample is hilarious and once again I'm I'm disappointed in myself for not knowing where it's from. Uh the lyrics are hella relatable. Um they do this really interesting trick on the chorus where the guitar just keeps panning back and forth between the ears. And so it like it almost gives this like dizzying effect, which is really neat because like it is kind of like it's um you know, it's it's a song about loss, about heartache and whatnot, and like this like crazy life and like the middle of the fucking desert and like you can see just like the effect of like kind of losing your mind a little bit and like it comes out in the uh um in that guitar part uh, this is one of the the slower songs on the record which is interesting um but also just has like this really dope solo on the outro um i love this track i fucking love it and um i just i'm, I'm really glad that i picked this <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm glad you picked this, too, because this, um, this is a record I feel like I should have heard and been into, because um, it came out in, what, 2001, I believe? Yeah, uh, I think so. On Fat Records. Yeah. Which, like, and, like, at that point in my life, I think I was listening to nothing but Fat Records bands, almost exclusively, and so the fact that I kind of missed this one is, is a little perplexing to me, because I absolutely would have loved this at that point in my life.
2: Yeah, it, like, it, it did surprise me a little bit that I threw this out there, and you you weren't like, oh, yeah, I know that. Uh, but, like, it, it's kind of cool for me to be able to, like, r- like reintroduce you to that part of your life. Yes. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but, like... It's both. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fair, because it's both for me, too. I mean, to be fair, uh, that so. was kind of early on, so it was before things really started to go wrong in my life, and... <laughs> Things hadn't fallen
2: apart yet, yeah, so you could listen to songs about the other people's lives falling apart and not relate. Exactly. I think the, the best way for me to describe this record is literally, track one is called Dig That Sound, and I dig that sound.
1: Now, hold up here for a second, because I have a different title for that track. As per Apple Am Music, I wrong? let me make sure I looked it up correctly. Or let me, I mean, let me make sure I transcribed that correctly because I may not have.
2: Oh, sorry. It's dig that stupid sound. There You're we right. go.
1: That's the best uh, part.
2: <laughs> I always forget that part because there is a, a repeating line uh, in the, the chorus that just says "I dig that sound," and I'm like, "Yes, I also dig that sound." Yes.
1: Very much dig that sound. That's a stupid, stupid sound.
2: Uh, it's, just like, it's just a catchy as fuck opener, uh, like right off the bat. I mean, like it's, it's a sing-along jam, and literally in the lyrics it says, Sing along. No one's going to bite you. No one's going to steal your voice away from you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to sing along because I do dig that sound.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we talked about this a few weeks back, that there's, there's some records that just make you want to be like right up in the front row singing along to every word uh-huh. and this is one of those records i mean i could see especially you know younger me in the days when i would have loved this record would, i'm so sad i didn't catch it then because man i would have been into it but uh yeah i would have been right up front uh singing every word to this record at, at that time of my life
2: absolutely absolutely um and like if we jump ahead a bit to the track uh everyone's a scientist like Again, I'm not not here for like a a real deep intellectual breakdown of the record, but like there's just like this song almost has like a little bit of like a a 50s-esque, like almost like surf rock type of vibe. It's like it's very boppy, uh, and I just like, I love it. Like it it just, it's uh, like, you know, you've used this line already, but like it's a mood, (laughs) like the kids say. It's a much different mood, but it's a mood
1: nonetheless. I'm dancing, just thinking about it. <laughs> Sometimes I wish this was a YouTube channel because, man, that dancing you were just doing was fantastic.
2: It was very like
1: sitcom dad. Yeah. <laughs> which, to be fair, all you need to be a sitcom dad is the kids, and you're pretty much there.
2: That's true, and thankfully I don't. Going back to uh, to track two on this record, uh, it's called "Your New Bud- uh It's just called "New Dead Boyfriend," uh, which. I think anyone who's, who's ever gone through a breakup and then seen, uh, like, you know, it, the, if they're still, like, kind of pining for their ex and then seeing them with uh, uh, someone new, they can kind of relate. But, like, let's be real for a moment, let's, like, seriously, like, the kind of obsession that leads to writing a song that says, I want to kill your new boyfriend, uh, like, maybe just, you know what, take a breath and let it go. It's not healthy. <laughs> Like, it's a fun song There's literally some uh, Bop bop bops uh, Which I'm a sucker
1: for But like Maybe some therapy <laughs> Therapy is great um, Everyone should be Everyone should do therapy at least once I think But um, I, I agree But uh, I, 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 I hope I hope and I think that this is probably more of a tongue in cheek song And not a serious I, I want to kill your boyfriend I hope so too at least that's how I took it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm
2: fairly certain that that's the case. Um, but uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, I've got a plan to rid you of the new object of your love. I'll give him more when he's had enough. I don't know what you see in him. That light bulb's awfully dim. Twelve thousand volts should do the trick. Like, Damn. it's imaginative. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You got like a uh, method there. That's crazy. Like, yeah. Like, it just like it's really intense. Like, like this is like the the kind of thing that, like you find in like the killer's house after he's been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like, everyone says I'm gone That is my mind I mean, I know Everybody tells me so <laughs> So, like, there's this kind of, like, babbling outro uh, So, yeah Definitely uh, let, let's, let, let's hope I, I think you're right Tongue in cheek Not, like, actual murderer But, again, like Maybe just Let's learn to wish our exes well And move on with our lives <laughs> the plan Speaking of wishing people well and moving on with our lives, um, I think that an excellent way to go out of this segment and into our break oh, is wait, with the had, last track. Oh, wait, I had track. things first. Hold on. Oh, no. Oh, no. You can edit that segment out then. I had
1: some things so conti- that I wanted to say. Well, let's talk about some things that you had to say. So, I, I, didn't, I didn't mention my first impressions of this record yet. That's true. You didn't. Yeah. So... I think there's a definite Green Day influence here, which makes a lot of sense given the time period and given the, uh, you know, the label ah. it came out on and, and all that. Um, yeah, But I also hear um, a bit of a squirt gun, or maybe uh, Teen Idols uh, influence here as well, which got me to thinking that if this record wasn't produced by uh, Mass Giorgini, it fucking should have been. And I couldn't find out if it was. Do you know? Uh, I don't. It wasn't on uh, his, his uh, discography, Mass's discography on Wikipedia, but that doesn't mean he didn't produce it. I'd be very interested to know. So if you out there know if he produced this record or not, uh, tweet at us. Let us know. Left of the dial PC on Twitter. Because uh, it, it, to me, it's, it sounds like something he would have done for sure.
2: You know, and you you mentioned a couple times that this was on Fat Records, and why that like in in the back of my mind that stuck like that didn't sound right uh, is because the original imprint that this was released on was Honest Don's.
1: Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It was.
2: <laughs> uh, but it was a Fat Records uh, band or, or, or release. So, uh, but like in the back of my head, I was like, that's not right. It wasn't. No, it was. But Honest Don's. Honest Don's. It was just which just, like, just absolutely seems like the kind of label name that should release a record like this.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, so, Caleb, what track do you want to go out on for this segment? I want to end uh,
2: on the, uh, the last track, Angel Eye, because I guess I thought you should know. You do. You do. You do, don't you?
1: Welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast.
2: I'm your host, Michael Fite. And I'm Caleb Coy. And together, we plumb the murkiest depths and scour the darkest corners of the internet in search of movies. Movies you might have missed. Or purposefully skipped over. We break down the madness and offer tiny tidbits of trivia. Or sometimes just yell into the abyss about how these movies ever got made. Catch a new episode every week.
1: to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Kitsy, and with me still is the one, the only, Caleb Coy.
2: As far as I know, there are no more.
1: Except for that one from the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: true. There, there, there may be several of like me out there who were time travelers and got stuck at various points in history, uh, but they remain me. Oh. So in that case, like, am I still the one and only if there are multiples of me?
1: Well, I mean, it's the same you, just from a different time. That's still you, right? I, that's what I think.
2: Hmm. It's very paradoxical. Time is collapsing on itself. Oh, this is getting weird. <laughs> just, whichever one of me is not from the dark timeline, that's where I want to go.
1: All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, we just heard Near to the Wild Heart of Life off the album from the same name by Japandroids. Because this is our japan episode japan episode japan episode um so this is the the first track on the record uh it comes in with a uh really fantastic uh long snare build uh to uh just like a, a an accident snare hit short little pause, and then everything comes in and it's just huge um I actually saw them tour on this record um I saw them like three different times on the tour, because I was traveling a lot during that tour and happened to be in the place that they were like three different times. So I got to see That's them a neat. bunch, which was so cool. And, uh, you know, they, they, they brought this gigantic live sh- uh, light show with them on this mm-hmm. tour. And uh, yeah, just every time they opened with this song and the drums would come in, it was like pitch black. And then the whole band came in. And it was just this like assault of light uh, and sound. I mean, good God, this was a loud band. Um, is it, so do they tour as a full band? Because I,
2: like, I, I was looking at the album art, and there's only the two people on the cover, so I wasn't sure if it was like
1: mostly programmed or... They tour as just the two of them. Okay. And there's, as far as I know, no programming. It's just the two of them. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, so is it just like drums and guitars then? Drums and guitars. Wild. Yeah, so so what I, what I think is happening... Um, I can't say for sure because I don't know But uh, if you see them live You'll see that he's got approximately 18,000 guitar amplifiers behind him <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those guys Just stacks and stacks and stacks of amps um, Which
2: for those of you Following along at home That's a lot like what it's like uh, like Being on a video call with Kitsy, uh Who also has about 18,000 guitar amps behind them <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's not quite as many as eighteen thousand, but it's close. <laughs> Anywho, uh Homeboy from Japan droids has I don't know his name, I'm sorry, has uh approximately <laughs> eighteen thousand guitar amps behind him. Uh at least one of which is a is uh, an old ampeg uh SVT with an eight ten cab, you know, the fridge cabinet. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So what I think is happening is I think he's doing some uh pitch shifting and signal splitting so he's got a lower octave of what he's that playing a sense. guitar going to the bass amp and i think that the, the way it sounds to me is there's like a, a part like there's a completely clean guitar signal going to uh you know some of the amps and a really dirty fuzzed out guitar signal going to some other amps so it sounds like this whole cacophony of different instruments playing together even though it's just him playing guitar uh which is the, really cool
2: uh, one of my friends back in Syracuse actually had a band like that, where it was just uh, a bass and drums. Uh, but he did that with the bass, where he did some pitch shifting, ran one through a bass amp and one through uh, a guitar amp at a higher uh, pitch, and it uh, it was it was sloppy. It was intended to be sloppy, but it was sloppy.
1: Yeah, uh, I will say that they, from from what I recall seeing them live. It's been a couple years now, but they that it is a little sloppier live than it is on record, but that's kind of their thing like that. It it works for them the way they do it. I mean, they still put on a very energetic, loud show. Um, I mean, this band is essentially just a wall of sound. And and I mean that, that in the sense. best way possible. Um, so Caleb, before we, we came back from the break, you told me that uh, it's a good thing. I had a lot of notes because we we're going to need them because I'm going to be disappointed in you. So, uh, I'm guessing that either you didn't listen to the record or you didn't enjoy it. I did listen to the record. Oh, no. Uh, I, I, uh, so
2: I owe it to myself to, to give this one another listen. Uh, this um, I, last week we talked about how I woke up from a nap and tried to listen to uh, world's greatest American band or world's Best American Band, uh, and fucking hated it right from the start and went back and listened to it a day later uh, and no longer hated it. Um, I immediately pivoted from that to uh, Giant's Chair and then decided, like, all right, I'm going to take on Japan Droids because I'm like, this one I'm definitely going to love. And I did, I listened through the whole thing. I struggled to find anything I
1: liked about it wow i'm I'm actually yeah. surprised i thought I thought this was a, a a slam dunk for you. I thought this was gonna be like you know I thought for sure you were gonna love this record
2: now, I didn't completely fail to find anything that I liked about it, but like the stuff that I didn't really really outweighed and so like i said i I owe this one another listen i'm uh my initial impression was not positive uh but also May not be fair, just because again we, we've already talked about how important uh, headspace is True. for me when listening to stuff. Uh, I just I didn't have time to give this one a proper second or third listen, uh, so I'm going fully off of uh, first impression. Well, now we, uh, you mentioned the title track and like how it comes in and how it's huge. Uh, this is one of the ones where I, I did actually have a couple of positive notes on, uh, one of them like there's some, some synth going on in this track. Uh, And it kind of reminded me a lot of that, like, early 2000s indie scene where, like, everyone was rocking the synth. And, like, I specifically was thinking of, like, the anniversary. Uh, So, again, calling back to that, like, Lawrence, Kansas scene, uh, Get Up Kids, stuff like that. So, like, that was kind of cool. And, like, there's some huge callback vocals on the chorus. Like, those are cool. So there were parts that I like. One of the biggest issues that I had on this record, just, like, start to finish, um, and it's weird because... Uh, was it, uh, I I'm, I'm stretching my memory back. Was it late teens where they had the, uh, the kind of gritty vocals through the whole record. And we talked about like, you didn't expect me to like that, but I really did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well on this record, they had an effect on the vocals that kind of made it like, at least on my first listen really kind of sounded like they were going for like a lo-fi radio sort of feel. Uh, and it was on like, every track start to finish with no break and it annoyed the shit out of me. Like at any moment I was just waiting for like that effect to turn off and to like actually hear the person's voice and like never did that happen. And it was just driving me insane. Yeah, that's, I could see that. That's fair. But uh, I, I, I almost feel like, like, were there some more variation? Cause like, I think musically there's a lot going on that I, I, could and should and would love about this record uh and if i uh throw enough words out i might uh make a dr seuss book um <laughs> <laughs> uh would i could i should i love it um but like there just there are certain things that just like it, it killed the experience to me which is why i really want to hear more about why you picked this record because uh it, it sounds like this one is is a big one for you, and like that's really what I want to focus on because I want to get like jazzed up by like you talking about it, so that I can go back and listen to it and like have a fresh perspective on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so before we move on too far, I, I do want to talk about this first track a little bit more near to the wild heart of life. Um, it's it's interesting because it's named after a novel uh, of the same name because that's how naming things after things works. <laughs> uh, I only have like three jokes and I'm just going to keep recycling them over and over again until someone tells me to stop. Uh, so it's named after a novel by uh, Clarice uh, Lispector. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, but she in turn took it from a passage in the novel, A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by a James Joyce. Huh. So it's named after a thing nice. that stole its name from another thing. I can get behind that. Yeah, right? That's... That's pretty cool. I can do, and then they, they name the record after the song. So it's like just, it's Turtles all the way down. It's meta. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I like, uh, I like this track specifically because it's like, it reminds me of, it reminds me of being on tour. In fact, a lot of this record reminds me of being on tour. I, I get the feeling that a lot of this is written on tour. Um, yeah. But there's, there's very
2: much a, a vibe of like, these are songs from the road. Uh, and uh, that part is very relatable to me.
1: Yeah. Um, like, the, the lyrics from the chorus, it got me all fired up to go far away and make some ears ring from the sound of my singing baby. So I left my home, and all I had, I used to be good, but now I'm bad. It's great. It's <laughs> great
2: lyrics. I love it. I, do miss touring. Like, I'm not sure if I could, like, physically handle it anymore, but, like, I still miss it.
1: I miss parts of it. I miss playing shows. I haven't done that in a while. Um, I miss... Meeting new people, seeing new places, playing with new bands. Um, I don't miss spending eight hours a day in a van with, like, other stinky people who haven't showered in three days. Um, I don't miss sleeping on people's kitchen floors. Yeah. Uh, I don't miss being broke
2: all the time. One thing that I I thought was interesting about this record, um, on the theme of it being, like, songs from the road, uh, is from what I've been able to gather, they're from Vancouver yes uh, in in British columbia in Canada uh there are other vancouvers um yeah, but are there really if, uh, i mean technically do they count uh no no sorry Washington, but also not um but it feels like at least half of these songs about New Orleans
1: <laughs> yeah no that's uh that's actually a good segue into the um into the second track northeast southwest yeah um when uh he does actually mention uh nola usa which is new orleans louisiana
2: I've, I've talked before about how I really like some, like, woes or some oohs and ahs and whatnot. Uh, the song, and, like, it delivers on the woes. And, uh, like, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh,
1: another gr- another line from that song that I think is great. Uh, there's actually two that, that I, um, I, I picked out here was, um, Leaving Lovelorn, Dating Destiny, and Living for the Moment that She Marries Me. Was one Ooh. that's always stuck with me. And then, uh, man, America made a mess of me when I messed with Texas and Tennessee. <laughs> that line has always made me think of you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, too, once messed with Texas. And how'd that go?
2: But I think, I feel like I came out the winner. <laughs> <laughs> go on. We just had some uh, some friends visit us uh, from town uh, from out of they're they're from Chicago, and they just did like a, a their own kind of Great American road trip, and went out west and like around Route sixty six and whatnot. Uh, and on, along the way back this way, they they came through Amarillo, and they went through the very famous, uh, essentially truck stop called the Big Texan, and they started trying to describe it. I was like, oh yeah, I've been to the Big Texan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I used actually used to have a kind of a dope. Uh, Lone Star Belt Buckle from The Big Texan. Uh, I, used to, I used to be into belt buckles. That was, that was a thing for a while. I remember that. Going back to the, the record, and I, I don't know if this helps segue into any additional content or not, but uh, one note that I did take is that, like, something I'll give this band credit for, their songs are not formulaic.
1: Really? I beg to differ.
2: You don't? You, you do? Because uh, there's one song that's nothing but choruses and one song that's nothing but verses, and yet somehow still manages to be over seven minutes long.
1: Okay, yeah. Aww. So let's talk about that. Uh, you're talking about <laughs> Ark of Bar. Yes. Uh, it's the longest song on the record, yet the shortest title. Uh, all of mm-hmm. these songs have kind of long titles. This one is not one of them. Uh, that's
2: another thing that I, that I noted, was they all have fucking hella long song titles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is, uh, Arc of Bar is a real standout track. It's the only song, uh, no, I take that back. It's one of three songs on the record that aren't in the key of G. Interesting. And the other two are in C. This one is an E. So that's a real outlier. It's also got a really interesting, uh, electronic kind of synthy sample that just loops through the entire song. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, this song is nothing but verses over and over and over again. And uh, this is actually my least favorite song on the record. This is one I tend to skip a couple verses in because I'm just kind of over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but I, I love the record as a whole, and I, I think it's a good song. It's just it it goes a little too long, and then the songs after it are so good that I'm just like, come on, get to the good ones.
2: Going back to uh, Genius Lyrics and how there's user contributions on it, or like listener contributions, um, somebody makes the uh, conjecture that Ark of Bar is actually a reference to New Orleans, uh, which is, uh, you know, Crescent City is one of its nicknames. Uh, And uh, there's like the the way that the Mississippi flows through, like, because, you know, um, uh, New Orleans is basically at the the, the delta of the Mississippi, uh, the way it kind of flows through makes this arc. And of course, New Orleans is known for their bar scene. Uh, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but it is clever.
1: I think, a few other references to New Orleans in that song as well, um, which would make sense. But uh, I I mentioned that most of the songs uh, on this record are in the key of G, um, Arc of Bar being one of the exceptions. The other two are uh, I'm Sorry for Not Finding You Sooner and No Known Drink or Drug, which are both in the key of C. But uh, all of these songs are a... Uh, a 1 4 5 minor 6 chord progression they're you know the the order changes but uh this is a very kind of Gaslit anthem thing as well hmm. uh Gaslit anthem does this a lot where um you know it's the 1 4 5 minor 6 like the only four chords they use most of the time and yet they still manage to keep it fresh and keep it from getting too uh formulaic so i guess i see what you're saying about how some of the songs you know it's all choruses and one of the songs is is all verses but uh yeah from a harmonic standpoint like there's not a lot of variety because this whole record is in you know g and c for the most part
2: i guess i was thinking more along in like structure rather than like in uh like the like like rather than musically um because you're you're right. You make a good point there, um, but like the structure of their songs isn't just like you know. Well, it's an eight-track record, so it's not just like eight songs of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, done. True. Uh, like they they do change up the format a lot. To like I said, this this song is is nothing but verses. Whoever contributed the lyrics to this site uh, lists the chorus as yeah, 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 but I'm sorry, fuck that. Those aren't lyrics. That's just He's vocalizing. He's just kind of like yeah. freeforming. That's it's not the a course. Same, same thing where where people put every single little like whoa, yeah, no, uh-huh into the lyrics. Like more often than not, that's just someone like like in a groove and just like making a sound.
1: Yeah. Like
2: I I, I would venture to guess that the majority of people uh who have written those into their, their lyrics probably don't have that in their notebook written out. Like, Oh yeah, here's going to be uh Whoa, Oh, Oh baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, prove me wrong. I'm happy to, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, but I don't think I am.
1: I would argue that these yes are, are at least a, a, a significant enough part of the song that they might actually be in the notebook, but it's a stretch to call it a chorus yeah 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 Uh, um so i mentioned the two songs that are in the key of c uh i'm sorry for not finding you sooner and no known drink or drug and uh it bothers me endlessly that these songs aren't back to back on the record because um i'm sorry for not finding you sooner it 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 kind of builds slowly. It starts off um, like just guitar and vocals and it's a little bit of drums come in, but it's such a slow build and it never really like takes off anywhere. Well, and this is the one that's all choruses. Yeah. This is the one that's all choruses. And, but it's, it seems like it'd be a perfect lead in to no known drink or drug. And they're in the same key. And that song like just comes in and like kicks ass right away. So, mm-hmm. like, to me, if I was sequencing this record, I would have put those two songs back to back, but instead, they put the longest and most annoying song on the record right after it, and then another song Midnight to Morning before you get to no Known Drink or Drug, um, which coincidentally is my favorite song on the record.
2: Well, so here's the thing, is if they had done I'm Sorry right into no Known," it would have been three choruses, six verses, and then four choruses. <laughs> exactly. And that's fine. Like, these... These are literally the kinds of notes that I'm taking. I'm like I'm, I'm looking at this. Like okay, like and now it's entirely possible that like when the songwriter wrote these songs, like they didn't necessarily break them up into these same like distinctions. A lot of times people force their own perceptions on what is a distinct, separate verse or chorus uh, or whatnot. Uh, but. That said, uh, it's either three verses, six, or three courses, six verses, and four choruses, uh, or maybe it's just one giant verse and a repeating chorus. I don't know. Um, I will say, uh, again, to, to, to bring some positivity back, uh, this song, uh, No Known Drinker Drug, fades out on an effect, uh, and I don't remember exactly which, uh, like which effect it is. If it's, like, a, a phaser or something like that. Uh, but it's just, like, it's a really, like, neat way to, to fade out this song, and I, I liked it.
1: I think it's, like, it's an EQ filter sweep, I think, is, is what it is.
2: Um, okay. I knew you would know, which is why I, I bothered to ramble my way through not knowing, because I knew <laughs> that you would.
0: Passport, past life, a as demons, alone, lost, and fast running out. Over. We'll
1: This song has a couple, of, um, uh, a couple of lyrics that really hit close to me just because they, 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 they remind me of a specific person in my life that, uh, that is, hasn't been in my life for a while, but uh, was a very significant part of my life. And um, so it's you know, kind of a nostalgia thing for me. But uh, the, the lines, um, a slow-burning sermon to have and hold her, but ever since she started sleeping over, oh, Lord, I'm living like a holy roller. Uh, I think that's a great line. Mm. And then, of course, the chorus "No known drink or no known drug could ever hold a candle to your love" um, is a great line as well. Plus, it's just a catchy as hell some, tune.
2: There's some shana nanas.
1: There's some shana nanas in there, yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know, I love a good shana nana.
2: You you do like.
1: Actually, I think they're shalalas. Actually.
2: Uh, they probably are. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just looking at the the written lyrics and realizing that they're probably wrong
1: they could be i've um, always heard it as La," but who knows
2: i do like this line and again it's another like very New Orleans reference uh when winter's off the leash and on the loose we ward off the weather with a witch's brew of dominoes and prose and delta blues yes that's another good one that is so good i almost a, i like, almost put very that
1: good line I almost put that line in my notes, but like my notes, like I said, were getting so long. I was like, I got to cut something out, but that is a great line. <laughs> and I remember, I remember when we put that line and being like, that's, this is a Caleb line. He would love this line. And I'm, I was right. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I was right.
2: You were right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did make a note uh, on True Love about thinking that the, uh, the drums and acoustic uh, set kind of an interesting mood on the first verse. Uh, sorry which song true love and true love and a free life of free will oh yeah uh, that it like it starts out with just like drums and acoustic and the, that like it kind of like its it sets a different tone than the rest of the record I think
1: things I I kinda like about this record though is that, you know, even though the tone changes between songs, um, because these songs are all uh, you know, one, four, five, minor six progressions, and most of them are in G or C, you can sit down with an acoustic guitar and strum along to this whole record. Like you can these are very singable, you know, campfire type songs. You can bust out an acoustic guitar with four chords and do pretty much this whole record front to back. Um which to me is pretty cool.
2: you made the reference to like that being like Gaslight anthem, and I remember us doing
1: that, just sitting around like playing those songs and realizing like, oh shit, like these are a lot easier than I expected them to be. Yeah. Well, think that the at least uh, Japan Droids plays in standard tuning. The thing about Gaslight that throws everyone off is that they tune down a whole step.
2: Mm, so they're, crazy they're, they're
1: they're just playing open chords, but because they're down a whole step, it's they're in like uh, instead of playing in C, they're playing in like A sharp. Man, which is like a weird key for a guitar, if you're not, you know, in a different tuning. So, uh, yeah, yeah, if you if you're try, if you're struggling with Gaslight Anthem songs, uh, tune your guitar down a whole step and just play uh, C G F and A minor, and then you're good. That's it. Those are the only chords <laughs> then... they know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you mentioned this this song is uh, this song this record only has uh, eight tracks, and. Uh, it's only thirty seven minutes long, but I don't feel uh, I don't feel cheated. I don't feel like it's too short. Like it's 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 got such great songs, in my opinion, that like I, I feel like I got my my money's worth, so to speak, out of the record. Like it's it's it 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 fires up, it says what it needs to say, and it gets the hell out of the way. It doesn't stick around too long.
2: It's funny to think that it's only thirty seven minutes long because one song is seven and a half minutes. Yeah, well, the rest are all, like, fairly standard, like, yeah. between, like, two and four-ish. Uh, but one song is, like,
1: 7.45. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't change. That's the... Th- okay. I know we already talked about Ark of Bar, but goddammit, that song doesn't change. It's the same thing for seven <laughs> really and a half is. fucking minutes.
2: That, like... Um, I did not listen to the whole song. I I got through, like... A couple of verses, and I was scrolling through the lyrics at the same time, and was like, "Shit, this is just this." Yeah. Five,
1: five more times. I'm like, mm, no, sorry. Yeah, if you listen to the first <laughs> like two minutes of that song, you've pretty much got it.
2: Yeah, that's a, I think I did make it through like two minutes, uh, maybe two and a half, and I'm like, I am not gonna sit through seven and a half of this. Uh, I think they've made the
1: point. Yeah. Like I said, I very rarely listen to that whole song because I love the songs that come after it so much that I'm just like, get, I want to get to the good stuff. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, if I, if, I have, if I have one complaint about this record, it's that, that song should be half its length. But, uh, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't write the record and therefore it's not up to me to decide that. So I'll just skip it when I get sick of the song and move on to Midnight to Morning. Fair enough. So uh, the the last track we're going to go out on is the last track on the record. Um, it is the perfect track to end a record on. It's got a great slow build into this huge ending, um, and uh, the the way the chord progression works in this song again, it's still just a you know one four five minor six progression, but they do this turnaround towards the end to go out on like a, you know, a different uh, progression than the rest of the song. And it's the, uh, it's, it goes to four, one, minor six, five. And it's just such a powerful turnaround that gets me every fricking time. And then it just fades out on that. And it's just, uh, I love it. So
2: I don't actually know what I thought of this song because I just wrote one word. What word was that? Same. I don't know. Like same as what? Like what was I referencing? <laughs> was I like referring back to another note that I took and saying that like I had the same impression of this? Uh like or was it like just a general like sameness of the song? Like ha- had I changed my mind about them being formulaic? I don't know. I don't know what I was saying. I, same
1: I mean to be fair, this it's a great <laughs> song, but it is pretty, you know, stock standard for a Japan droid song on this record. I mean it's you know, it sounds like most of the other songs on the record but in a good way and and I I love that about it Uh, so we're going to wrap it up here this week Uh, thank you so much for listening Uh, we have a Patreon now Uh, if you're interested for uh, as little as $5 a month you can get uh, you can get some bonus content from us as well as early access to all of our episodes and uh, ad free versions of our episodes too if you prefer those Uh, so please check that out I'll have the link down in the uh, show notes. You can find it also at Left of the FM. Caleb, where can we find you? Ah, great question. Uh, if you're interested in uh, hearing my opinions
2: on uh, the ever-escalating conflict between uh, my friend Michael Fight and myself on uh, who can pick the worst movie, uh, you can check us out on our other podcast, Never Heard of It, at thenahoit.com. T-H-E-N-H-O-I-T.com. Uh, otherwise, if you are... Uh, for some reason of a mind to read what I have to say as well as listen, uh, you can find me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Micah.
1: And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at hey Kitsy. Where can they find information
2: about our podcast?
1: Oh, we don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, of course, find our podcast on the web at leftofthedial.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at uh, Left of the Dial PC. The PC stands for podcast, not personal computer. I don't know who's spreading that rumor, but please stop. It's not personal computer. It is podcast. (laughs) We're going to go out on In a Body Like a Grave by Japandroids from the album Near to the Wild Heart of Life, and we will catch you next week. Same.
2: that sound.